0: Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast, brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Costa Sunglasses, All Hands Vodka, Turtle Box Audio, and Orvis Fly Fishing. In today's episode, I find myself on the other side of the mic with my fellow podcaster, Peter Kappel of The Skiff Wanderer. In this podcast, I share about my life, childhood, fishing, family, and of course, we have a bit of conversation about food. If you enjoy this podcast, help Pete out by following his show. And as always, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy. This is the Captains Collective.
1: I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you. You know, it's genetic.
0: Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes this that quiet space is, is what we need, in, especially in this day and age. If you have a fly rod in your hand, it's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer start. Beep 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 beep, 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 beep,
1: beep, beep, No one else knew anything anyway, and you just might definitely making it up if you're going along. But So what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is, like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning at? So look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's going to be
0: if i can if i can love fishing as much as i loved fishing and hunting at 16 for the rest of my life it's all i could ever ask for but you know i want to have an understanding about what's happening too and so sometimes blind casting a conventional reel is going to help you learn something that I don't know if you'd be able to with a fly rod. Cause there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. I'm like, Hey, whoa, I'm not a fly only guy. Okay. Yeah. You know, but when you're a fly only guy, you better be able to really bring it. You know, the good thing with fishing is like fishing has a way of humbling us. Right. And I kind of just had this appetite of like, man, it's just really great to, to learn from people who spend so much time on the water. And really the podcast was like my own learning journey. I, I think you got to make content that you love that you really love I I did it just for me and that's like something that's really important for me now is really trying to just stay focused to that desire to say this is this is my own interest and journey that I'm going on and podcasting allows people to come along that the principle of I think really successful people in, in a lot of ways are they hold on to something from like just like I see my kids and just how they love things and it's like I just want to continue to love things the way that a child does and I think that's really helpful in life yeah that's why I agreed to this podcast people need to know we're here to talk about good <laughs> cheese goats, on pizza <laughs> the goats make cheese to people that's how you should ask it what death, if you were death on death row, row they're gonna let you go on a three-day fishing trip Jeez. what's the one person you're gonna fish with
1: All right, guys, welcome to another edition of the Skiff Wanderer podcast. Today, I am joined by a podcast legend. My mom would say. I think so. And honestly, one of my good friends and inspiration and honestly, big help in in my own podcast, Mr. Hunter Levine of the Captain's Collective.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. How does it feel to be on that side of the mic? feels it just it feels like the same mic but from a different angle yeah you ready to answer questions i thought that was going to be profound i was really trying to kick it off with something really (laughs) profound (laughs) where'd you grow up yeah so i grew up the first five years of my life in an area outside of tampa called green swamp west so my family is five generations of the tampa bay cedar key area and my dad worked for Fish and Wildlife Commission and we lived on land that was owned by the state, Green Swamp, and he patrolled it and we were able to stay in a house. And so my first five years of life were miles behind a gate, like out in the middle of nowhere, which were really formative and I think I think they helped me fall in love with the outdoors at a young age. But when you're when you're five years old and you live in the middle of nowhere, like you're not like it's so nice to be away from people yeah i'm like talking to my cousins and they're like i rode my bike to my friend's house i'm like you rode your bike you have a friend you know that sounds awesome what's it like so um after that i lived in crestview florida which is not too far from like the destin area of and did that for a couple of years in elementary school and then ended up in tallahassee florida middle school and high school Went to Florida State, and then eventually in my adult years moved down here, south of Tallahassee to Wakulla County, which, which is, is where we're at right now. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, don't come here. No, yeah, it's it's um don't don't come here if you're a Texan.
1: Well, we're we could do a whole podcast on how much Florida hates me. Yeah. Um, I mean, you already kind of went into it, but like, your dad was a your dad was a wildlife officer, so yep. you grew up hunting and fishing.
0: Yeah, my dad worked for the Fish and Wildlife Commission. My mom um, and my dad met, they both worked for a Fish and Wildlife Commission. And then um, then my dad ended up becoming a fishing guide about eight or nine years ago. And so, but my whole life, uh, he, he would take me, his kind of approach on things was, he would introduce me to just like a, a wide array of things. Yeah. And it was all about different experiences. And then I would find little things throughout my life that, I would gravitate to, and then I would kind of learn about it and do it and then move on. And eventually, for me, fly fishing was the thing that I think I grabbed later in life, but I grabbed a hold really firmly, and it was something that had a, a certain sticking power that nothing else in the outdoor world really had. Like I went through waterfowl. We had some guys over tonight for dinner. And I have like a, a big buck in my living room that I shot in middle school. I mean, I went through some hardcore whitetail and all sorts of different stuff. Went, Got into frog gigging in high school, you know, floundering in high school, all that type of stuff. And I had a lot of fun doing it, but I never had a hard time walking away to do something else. <laughs> And fly fishing for me was really the first thing that I just was like, I don't, I don't think I ever want to walk away from this. This is a combination of all the things I liked about all the other stuff. Yeah. So it kind of all came together.
1: Cause it is, I mean, it's a little bit of hunting, a little bit of, oh I mean, it's a lot of fishing and yeah. then there's, you know, like if you're, especially if I get into archery, like the skill set that you need to be a proficient archer plays into being a proficient fly fisher and that you got to practice,
0: you got to be out there. When did you start fly fishing? So... The when I first started fly fishing, i was probably probably in middle school. We used to go up to the mountains, and my family, on my dad's side, everybody was like in this basically familial timeshare yeah. of a little cabin up in Pigeon Forge. And I fly fished a little bit during that time, and then I kind of learned how to do my own. Um, not really do my own, but I was shown how to catch smallmouth up there. Yeah, and instead of going and like catching these little trout on fly, fly fishing and getting caught in the branches, I was doing small mouth on ultralight gear. And so I, I kind of dabbled in it a little bit and I picked it back up probably around twenty three twenty two. So I've been doing it pretty heavy the past seven years, but I haven't been doing it in high school. Like, you know, outside of grabbing a rod here or there dabbling, like, you know, it, it really wasn't an important part of my life until, my adult years
1: yeah is there like is is there any part of it that you think is like affected like your adult life like how you think and how you operate and like things you do
0: yeah i think um when i was in high school i fished out here and we had a 1860 like aluminum boat that my dad would let me take out and then i also had a guinea and then my best friend he uh he had at the time a kenner and so we had we thought we really had the we were like, man, look at these boats. You know, we have the lineup, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like boats that like snobby, like fly fishing guys. Like, look at these guys over here. But we loved them. And they were great boats to us. And, uh, and but I was very like, it was just about like, how many can I catch? How many can I catch? And um, fly fishing became about, it, it's the same with archery. It's like, you still do want to catch fish, right? But you care about how you do it. Yeah. And you start to have like all these preferences about, I'm out here for my enjoyment and my enjoyment equals doing certain things a certain way. And so when I was younger, it was just all numbers bragging ego and not that people can not have huge egos in fly fishing. Cause we obviously know that, but it became more about, no, I just really want to enjoy it. So, you know, like, I don't think I fish, my entire life. And I don't think I ever slowed down and just said, man, look how beautiful this is until I was like 22. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Like yeah. I was just, I don't know. I was just going after it.
1: No, I mean that definitely like that feeling, I don't think hit me until like, to be honest, like 31. Yeah. Of being out there and just, you know, like taking a minute. Um, I know for me, like filming, like played a huge part into that of just, Working with guys and you know you got to take the time with the fish and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then you know afterwards you've done all the shots and stuff and you're like oh my god that was great, and just let's just take a minute enjoy it. Um, but now like I mean we were out we've been we spent the last couple of days getting getting our butts handed to us a little bit yeah um, that's just called fishing for me. <laughs>
0: that's fair (laughs) that was just normal for me i
1: I think my problem was i came off of two of the best days in texas that i've ever had in the springtime and i was due for one um but now you're not afraid i mean you don't have any issue picking up spinning spinning gear did you think that like like when did that i mean do you think that played into having your daughters
0: um me being what being willing to pick up a spinner rod or have you always been like that no, I think I've always been like that. Um, I mean, I've definitely had a lot of days where, like, whether it's conditions or when I, I'm wanting to learn something where, especially early on, where I was like, I'm just going to bring a, a spinning and rod. And it was kind of like the metaphor of, like, the old story about there's a, a group of, I don't know, pirates or naval officers or whatever, and they, like, burn their boats. And they're like, we're going to go on the enemy's boats. And the kind of the phrase is burn the boats. Yeah. So. You know, I I think when you're learning fly fishing, if you're having a hard time giving enough time to the fly rod, then maybe you shouldn't bring anything but a fly rod. Mm -hmm. But I'm at a point now where, you know, I, I like to have a spinning rod on. I don't, I don't see why I wouldn't have one on because what if we're in a circumstance where, I mean, if it's me and you out there, maybe I get a backup shot and I'm not going to strip line from the pulling platform and do all that it's going to be a circus up there no, I'm it immediately finds the motor every time yeah so I'm, I'm not half a good enough angler to do that so i'll put like a, a spinning rod up there or sometimes like we'll have a moment in a certain area a certain situation where like i'll use a search bait and just want to understand what's happening like okay are these fish you know like you might be pushing up on a shore and you're wondering are they sitting off in this you know deeper water right here on the edge let me throw a spoon and see oh just hooked one yeah that's what's going on right now tide's coming up maybe this will happen maybe they'll come up and push up here so it's still like a i think using search bait is a really good way to learn an area so to me it's just about i enjoy learning and i enjoy sight fishing and i enjoy being out there but you know i want to have an understanding about what's happening too. and so sometimes blind casting a conventional reel is going to help you learn something that i don't know if you'd be able to with a fly rod
1: no that's fair i mean that was like when you were fishing today and and or yeah today and you know you're like grab the spinning rod grab the spinning rod i mean you saw the hesitation that i had and i think like i'm just still and i just thought like, you were having a stroke
0: i was like yeah. <laughs> you having a stroke i didn't think it was like a i didn't think that you had like a big bias against like well what if someone sees me with this conventional reel
1: no it, it honestly like i think i'm still in that phase of like learning fly fishing and so i want to do everything with fly fishing because i don't feel like i'm at a point where it's like oh yeah if i put like i'm gonna do this with a fly rod no matter what
0: happens like i can you know grab the spinning rod it's a lot of pressure if you if you're listening to this and you're like i'm gonna be a fly only guy then you better be able to freaking cast better than me (laughs) yeah because if you're gonna be above like because there's a lot of pressure that comes with that i'm like hey whoa i'm not a fly only guy okay you know but when you're a fly only guy you better be able to really bring it it's like it's like it's like when you're like i play guitar i don't play drums i don't play anything else it's like you better be able to shred man if you've dedicated all your energy into this one thing but great you know i think like how ridiculous is it that if somebody's like if do what you want to do like if you enjoy bow hunting then man get out there and bow hunt like if you enjoy fly fishing get out there and fly fish but stop worrying about what rod somebody else is using like yeah. it's different if you're caring you know care about the ethics behind it or or fish handling or whatever but you know I think people people put too much weight on it and I think that what happens with fishing is that there's not for most people in most circumstances there's not really a scoreboard and they don't really like nobody's going to come to your house and like give you a trophy for being this amazing fly fishing person unless you're doing tournaments or whatever exceptions like that but for most people it's not not there's no scoreboard yeah and so i think that you know it's like stop trying to be you know the Michael Jordan of fly fishing in your area like no, just go, go enjoy it. Go have fun. Go be, go be great because you want to be great. But don't be great so that you can be the dude looking down. I hate when I see people looking down on some high school kids out in the John boat and they think they're all cool because they have a this this shirt and this boat and this cooler and this. And no one cares, man. We
1: were we were talking about that a little bit when we were we were rolled up to the gas station and there was like this dude that was a sweet like fourteen foot baby blue John yeah. boat and like we were just like. Man, what happened? Where like we got kind of got, got to a point where we're,
0: like, you look at that and you are like, these guys. Yeah, but like, I mean, that's how we all grew up. It when was, I was sixteen years old, my dad got me my first boat. It was a canoe, yeah. a nine horsepower, and I also had a Go Devil, which is basically a weed whacker with a prop on the back. <laughs> and dude, I cannot tell you how meaningful it was, like to, to see my dad bring that boat to my house and they'd be like, man, I have, I felt like the world opened up for me and I could just go to the river. I could go to the lake. I could go wherever and fish. And that feeling as a 16 year old boy getting my first boat, man, like when I see kids like that, I'm like, man, I hope in my adult life, I get another feeling like that. Yeah. So like how crappy of a thing to look down on somebody. And I didn't realize people were looking down on me. They were, they totally were. It's like shame on them for that, you know? Because yeah. you know, it's like that that is one of the purest things, you know. Yeah. And just I hope I can give that to my kids one day. It, whatever
1: it takes to get out there.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I, I actually look down on the kid that's sixteen pulling up with a seventy thousand dollar skiff that his dad bought. Yeah. You know. And you're just and, yeah. It's like, man, I hope that you just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. You know, not status assembly or whatever.
1: No, I mean I, I rode around when I was in high school I uh I did a lot of kayak fishing and I actually built a trailer that I could tow behind my bike. So I could take the take the kayak to the ponds around my neighborhood. And like those like I look back on those days and I'm
0: like, those are some of the best days of fishing. Yeah. And it was just simple. I want that spirit, you know, Yeah. the spirit behind that. If I can, if I can love fishing as much as I loved fishing and hunting at 16 for the rest of my life, it's all I could ever ask for, but That's, it requires me not stressing about what everybody thinks about every article thing. of clothing I have on and yeah. all that stuff, you know,
1: make sure that you're wearing all matching
0: gear and all of your gear yeah. matches and all. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's got mismatched brands. That guy must suck at fishing. He's never going to get reposted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, all right, man. That's important. Make sure it doesn't get edited out. People need to know that.
1: That that you have to wear the same brand if you want to get reposted by anybody. No, so along the lines, like with the spirit of fishing and everything, so you started with your podcast, which I want to get into a little bit, but with your podcast, you started traveling a little bit, and, like, Do you as you're traveling and you're fishing everywhere you go, like do you enjoy the fishing or the traveling more?
0: I like both. I never I definitely enjoy fishing more. Yeah. Because I I never am fishing and wishing I'm not fishing. Sometimes I'm traveling and I'm wishing I'm not traveling. Yeah. But I when I went to Charleston, last time I went to Charleston. We went up there for an event. It was pretty awesome a, a event with um, Paul Puckett up there and um, just a, a really great crew. And I went up there and went up there with for a weekend with a couple friends, and we decided like we're just gonna focus on food and pretend like I got weathered out. Yeah, and I would have got weathered out, so that was also nice because I think there's this thing in all of us when we're not fishing. And we're walking around and like the weather's bad. And we're like, at least I'm not the only one not fishing today. I don't know. Like, it's just a weird thing. Maybe people don't want to admit it. Maybe it's just me. But, um, and I went up there and like focused on the travel aspect and the food and the culture and all that. And, and I really enjoy that. And I enjoy the time in the car, like just kind of sifting through. I'm, I'm I tend to be somebody who can kind of get in my head and there's something peaceful to me about driving or flying or whatever. Um, Driving's definitely more peaceful than flying because I'm still like, I feel like I'm JV at flying. Like you see these guys in the airport and they got these like fancy roll-in cases and you could just, you look at it and you're like, that guy travels a lot for sure. You know, like just, they just have like all the the knickknacks and stuff and just know where they're going. Like I'm stressed. I'm like, what, like what gate? Like how do I get there? And like, am I getting on the right, you know? Yeah. tram thing going you know, so I just have a lot l- lot, a lot more stress with that but um, I definitely I like both of them and for me like the podcast I, d- I, I got to travel a little bit growing up but you know my dad worked for Fish and Wildlife Commission and my mom worked for the state she went back to college when I was in elementary school so we didn't have tons of money yeah. so you know when we traveled it was a really special thing um, and I'm really grateful for the trips and the, the opportunities that my parents made for me because I see the sacrifice more and more as I get older and parent. Like I I realize, like my parents didn't do a bunch of things that they would have loved to do to save money so that I could go do that one duck trip, that one fishing trip. So to me, I'm really grateful for that, but I've traveled way more the past five years with the podcast than, you know, I've, I've traveled more the past five years than I traveled the 25 years leading up to it. Yeah.
1: You've been doing the podcast five years, right? Yeah. Five years how did that how did that come about how like 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 what is the
0: story behind how you got that started like why why did you start it yeah um well for me i, I had started listening to some podcasts like i listened to a podcast tim Ferriss show it'd be like interviewing all these different interesting people and um at, at the time there was a podcast called fish on the brain which was really great and then april voki had a podcast out at the time too and she still does and they're both great um, and but I just like I was kind of like, man, I kind of feel like I, I would like to just learn more like than just I, I had listened to all of April's and all the fish on the brain podcast. And I kind of just had this appetite of like, man, it's just really great to to learn from people who spend so much time on the water. And really, the podcast was like my own learning journey. And <laughs> um, early on in some of the early episodes, like I have two of my friends, Austin and Josh, with me, who I'm still friends with today. Austin's a game warden down in, um, South Florida now and Josh, I still fish with Josh all the time. And, uh, you know, we just, it it really just came from a place of like just wanting to meet people and learn and hear their stories and, and yeah, learn, learn about fishing, but also just learn about kind of the history behind things and the philosophy behind things and, um, just give me an excuse to have fun, run around and meet people. So that's really where it came from, and I, I really like. I I didn't think that it would do as well as it's done. Yeah, I just thought that I, I did it just for me, and that's like something that's really important for me now. Is really trying to just stay focused to that desire to say this is, this is my own interest and journey that I'm going on, and podcasting allows people to come along that. You start getting stressed about what other people want, because along the way, I'm sure you're already experiencing this. Everybody tells you what you should do and you want to listen, you want to learn in, but at the same time, like you need to be true to you and you don't want to wake up five years from now and say, I'm producing stuff and doing stuff for other people, but I don't love it anymore. Yeah. It's like, man, if I'm going to like do something I don't love, then I should go make a lot more money. Yeah. (laughs) you know like yeah. i should go be like a, a a dentist or something no offense to the dentist but like <laughs> just you know, call them like, out like that <laughs> yeah i mean if you're listening to this and you're a dentist like i hope you love what you do or i hope that you know it gives you a great quality of life but my, my point is if you're gonna do something you don't love man like don't do this good yeah. go, go do something way more lucrative and way more way more family friendly um but this is this has been a great journey for me
1: do you have any um I got two, two questions. We'll start with the, the, the worst question. Do you have any moments during the podcast? Like, how do I don't want to phrase this, that stand out in your mind, like that.
0: You're like, Oh no. Like, you know Does that make sense? When I'm asking. Yeah, like almost like mess ups or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I was, um, so Harry was here tonight at dinner yep. and Harriet called me. Cause he lives right down the road from me and uh like i i gotta spend a lot of time with harry during covid because me and him built my skiff together and that's a fun story but um harry calls me on the phone he's like hey man my buddy rick Ruoff's here like you gotta you gotta come interview rick like come have dinner with us we're gonna cook we're gonna hang out and so i go over there i get to meet rick which is his absolute legend he's just the kindest you know kindest most down-to-earth guy, and, I'm sitting down interviewing man. he's just like, I mean, sometimes you're interviewing and you're like, this is a home run. You're not yeah. even doing anything because you're just asking like little questions and then they're just, you know, running with it. And I knew it was a home run. I looked down at my recorder and like, my battery died or something. See, you were looking at your recorder <laughs> right now. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I like, am like, so I have to, uh, hey, Rick, I'm so sorry. Like, can we just pick up at this question? Like, let me put some new batteries in or whatever. And, um, so I lost, there are like 15, 20 minutes of the Rick Ruhoff, um, podcast that are gone forever. And a lot of times when I do an interview, I'm so in my head, I'm trying to work on this, but like about the next question, the next thing that I don't really retain at all. So I, when I go back to edit it and listen to it, I'm like, Oh, I didn't even remember. That's really good. You know? And like, there's like 20 minutes of like Rick Ruhoff, an absolute just such a kind person just absolute legend sharing who knows what amazing information he was sharing and it's just in a black hole right now just swirling around and i lost it so that's probably that's probably the worst one like thank goodness i haven't had anything like too traumatic. but yeah you know that's that, that's one i've had a couple like had to re-record and stuff along the ways but it happens it's
1: oh, yeah yeah i I mean, I've got one that's coming out soon. Will come out obviously before this that I managed to lose
0: all of the audio files for. Did you just ask me that question to feel better about your audio? No, I didn't. Oh, I also I interviewed Alvin Dodo and had a what's called electrical interference. Oh yeah, And it messed up the podcast pretty bad. And then even um, Nikki with Millhouse had the same thing happen. he Called me. It's like, is there any way out of it? And it's like, no, no.
1: Um. What about like best, like favorite moments?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you like the moment early on. I'm really grateful that I had a moment that I was like, if, if this is all that ever comes of this podcast, like I'm super happy. So one is like the first person I ever interviewed was Harry Mm -hmm. and it's like, he's, he's in my own backyard. Like I'd seen him around on the water and stuff and that was really meaningful. And Harry was really encouraging and has always been really encouraging of me and and just uh has always looked out for me I'm really grateful for that um but early on too like we reached out to Bo Basso and he was like yeah like if you can get down here next week you know come down and we can we can do an interview and hang out and so <clears throat> I don't know why i'm caught i was coughing on the boat a bunch of day too. You were so anyway so we go down is that how you're gonna <laughs> is that how you're gonna cut it yeah. So, anyways, I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh. leave all the coughing in. So, anyways, um, Bo's like, "If you can get down here, like, come down." And this is very early on. This is before I ever even released an episode. I had recorded a couple episodes, but I had not released any. And so he's like, "You can come down here and record." So, me and Josh hop in my wife's Honda CRV. At the time, it was the most reliable vehicle we had. Like you gotta realize when I started this thing, the most reliable, ve- reliable vehicle I had was a 2004 Honda CRV. It was like, it ran on hopes and dreams and and the tailwind. You had, you had a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had two cars that was the best one. So, um, and uh, so we like wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning. So people like like all the time they're like, oh, you go down the Keys a lot? Like you don't understand, I live up in the Panhandle. Like. It's not close. It's not close, it's like. It's like, if, if you, you know, if you have a tailwind, no traffic, and you're flying, right, and you're just hitting every, like, I mean, it's like, it's nine hours to get, you know, yeah. to get anywhere close to anything like that. And so, we drive down, like, we're like both running off three hours of sleep, do this interview with Bo, so gracious to let, let us um, hang out with him, and then we go get a, a hamburger at a place, a, a little local spot by his house. He's like, you guys wanna go out and bonefish? We're like, you know, we don't have, like, I don't have enough money to, we barely have enough money to get home. And we're like, uh, he's like, no, we just go out, like, hang out. Like, so he took us out and just for like two hours. But those, that trip, those two hours with Bo and just having that moment where it's like, I got to hear his story. I got to just learn from him, be around him. Like that, to me, I was like, if that's all that I ever get out of this podcast. That's enough for me. And so on the way back, me and Josh are like, man, that was just such a great trip. And like, you know, I never, I never thought that people would be so generous and kind. Yeah. And along the way, I've, I've made, and some of them have become friends, like actual friends of mine. And um, that was a, that was a, that was the first moment that I was really like, wow, like, I feel like I'm already getting fruit. Yeah. From, and you haven't even released one yet. No, I not even released one. And then when I released, like, the first five, like, it's, like, had Harry, had a friend of mine, John Swanson, another local guy, um, Scott Burgess, um, and had uh, Harry, uh, Bo Basso, Rob Fordyce. Rob Fordyce still to this day gave what I believe is, like, one of the best interviews I've ever recorded. Yeah. Like, you know um, so yeah just a really good front first lineup and you know so yeah I think that's it for me
1: yeah no I remember like, I remember looking back at those like man this guy knows everybody in Florida that you need to know yeah no I had no clue now that you're uh, now that you're five years into it like, well, like what are your thoughts on where you're at in kind of where do you
0: see yourself going well I like the I, I shared this with you on the boat today. I like to try to view myself like a little brother. Yeah. Like I'm having fun. I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm learning a ton. I'm around great people, but like having the spirit of a little brother that wants to learn, you know, that's in a, I just, I've been around the industry for a very short amount of time comparatively to a lot of people who put in a lot of time. And I've already realized that the industry does not need another ego. Um, and so, what the last thing I want to do is come off like, you know, some sort of hot shot. That's not. That's not the spirit of why I got into this. Like, the people that I choose to spend time with are humble, fun, kind people. So for me, like, I, I view it as like I'm just a little brother that gets to run around and hang out with some really amazing guys and learn from people who are way better than me. And I'm not asking questions because I'm at the same place. I'm asking questions because I just, I wanna learn. And, um, you know, so I think that's, that's where I'm at is uh, very, very young in the fishing industry, if you wanna use that term, and trying to, and really just trying to, um, you know, keep humility in my, myself. And, you know, the good thing with fishing is like, fishing has a way of humbling us, right? As a way of humbling me, but I think, you know, the, I think the last two days speak to the, hum- the humility yeah. that it puts in you. Yeah, so that's every day for me, and <laughs> um, and then like where I'm going, you know, I I just I what I what I really am focused on is like I I want to look back twenty twenty five years and be like, man, I'm so I'm so happy with the decisions I made and the people I got to meet and spend time with and the experiences I got to have you know, whatever that looks like, uh, you know, I'm not worried about dollar signs. I'm not worried about having the coolest sponsors or whatever. Like I can genuinely genuinely say that all the, the people I do work with, like I reached out to them and got to know them and chose to work with them because I really like the people there. Yeah. And um, I hope that in the future To be highlighting more travel to be highlighting stuff outside of just fly fishing and just to continue to have fun and hopefully i think it'll i think it'll resonate with people
1: yeah what um and i think honestly you you really touched on this a little bit earlier but i'm gonna phrase it as a question and let you take it from there um what advice like would you give to anybody that's thinking about creating
0: content in the fishing space it's a question i've asked other people a lot that are way ahead of me um, I think one I, I think you got to make content that you love that you really love don't like, don't worry about what everybody else is don't be derivative and just copying everybody else like you go to the fly fishing film tour and you see somebody else's thing and then you try to copy it like do do something that comes from a place that like you can feel the real love in and I can spot that like I'll see stuff sometimes I'm like man that just came from somebody's heart it wasn't derivative from just you trying to be a beta version of somebody else it's like it's a real deal um and then I would say like I was talking to you about this but I think that you know you do have to realize that if you are gonna try to create even if you it's just just your personal Instagram or your photographer your videographer your podcaster like you know you have a responsibility to to do things well and to not overexpose and i try to listen when people have concerns and i thought talk, i talked to you about this in the car but i think like when somebody comes to you and they they have something critical to say my default is like defensiveness i think mean, most yeah. of us are and so we're we're like oh you know oh, who do you think you are like getting defensive but then i try to say hold on like let me just play some scenarios out in my head like let's give this person the benefit of the doubt and they have a concern about something i'm doing or the way i'm doing it like slow down and try to try to make sure you're not missing a lesson yeah and i've had some people just say hey be careful with this or hey you know watch out for overexposing this thing or whatever it is and i try to engage in that conversation not in a way that's a pushover but in a way that's like you don't want to be a pushover, but you don't want to push through feedback people are giving you or warnings that people who are older who have gone before are giving you and totally miss out on the lesson and, and have to carry some regret that they have. And then, you know, when I slow down and I take the defensiveness down, a lot of times, I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I think they got a point there. Maybe, maybe I can really save myself some heartache here. Yeah. Do any of those
1: lessons like that you've learned along the way like stick out that you want to?
0: share? Yeah. Um, one of them is, you know, I had a, I had a conversation with a local guy who was just talking about, you need to be really selective with who you interview because you, whether you see it as an endorsement or not, it's an endorsement. And I was like, we were at dinner and he was like, Hey, like, you know, some of these guys are young, da da da. And I was like, you know, I want to interview people who are at different points in their career, which is true. I do like, I don't want it to just be Hey, if you haven't guided for 25 years and have a hundred articles written about you, I don't want to interview you. So I want to, I I want to like have this attitude of, I can learn from anybody at the same time. If I'm going to interview somebody, I'm going to increase the awareness around them. And I, I realized like, I need to give more thought at the time. I was like really in my mind, just trying to, get outside of the box and you know, I'm not going to name any specific names, but I, I think that, you know, I could have been more selective with some of that. And, um, that person was right. And I told you this, they didn't like the easiest thing for that person to do would just be to say nothing. And then whenever they talk about me to other people, just be like, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Da, da, da. That's the easiest thing. Like he actually gave me some feedback to my face that, after I thought about it a little bit, I was like, no, he's got a point. Like, yeah. you know, like I think there's, I think there's some truth there and I'm grateful for it. You know,
1: that's definitely something like I experienced right out the gate. I experienced that before I even started Skiff Wander. I started to experience some of, some of that. And I mean, it's, you know, like we were talking today about, you know, tomorrow is going to be rained out and, um, you were giving me some ideas of what to do and, and where to go. And, like a a lot of like where I've had, I mean, you probably noticed I've had a lot of reservations about Mm -hmm. just taking off and running. And that's where a lot of it comes from is I'm like, man, I like, I don't know these guys at all. And like, I know that, you know, them, and, and I do trust you, but it's like, I just like, I've I've had that conversation with enough people that like, it makes like when you are creating content, it's like, you know, it makes you think twice. And I'm probably, I probably overthink that a lot. Mm. Um, but no, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit because there's the other thing that um, as I've got to know you over the years that I think is, um, speaks to, your, to you and your character a lot is um, you're 100% like you do all of this, you're on the road, you do podcasting, but at the, I think like this is almost second to your family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I, that I really look up to you for and um, like there's a question in here, I promise. What advice would you give somebody that, you know, they're trying to juggle those two things?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely want this to be like second to family, no doubt. And that doesn't mean that there won't be times that I go fishing or I go on a trip and it's not hard, you know, it doesn't, but it does mean that to me, I don't want my daughters. I have two daughters. I have a six year old and a three year old. I don't want them to like ever wonder, did he love fishing more than me? And did I get in the way of his dream? Like, yeah. because, you know, to me, my dream is, my family is my dream, you know? And that's not at odds with traveling and fishing and wanting to be the, the angler and podcaster, or whatever that I wanna be. But to me, like, I, I definitely, I definitely have learned that from people who've come before me and it's just not something that, you know, do I want to be, you know, did you ever see the movie, uh, couples retreat? You're so maybe it's, it's been Vaughn? a hot minute. Yeah. They're I've like seen arguing it. and they're like, you're going to be at Applebee's sitting alone, you know, <laughs> talking about how awesome you were in high school. And it's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like 80 years old and had neglected my family and be like man my podcast was really popping back in the day and they're like what's a podcast because it's all temporary like it's temporary right like this moment is this this whole thing like no matter how big you get no matter what you do like you know you're not you're not going to be immortal in people 200 years from now are probably not going to be talking about this podcast but like the goal for me is like 20 years from now, my daughters are at my house and I have a healthy relationship with them. And so I try to keep that in mind. You know, I think that's really important. And you know, I, I made a choice to get married and start a family and like, I'm going to, I'm going to make that my first priority. Like I said, I would, I'm going to, I'm not going to let a, a fish or whatever get in the way of that, you know? And there's some things that will look different as the kids get older or, you know, things change. But I think, I think that like my encouragement would be to like, you know, if anybody that spent time with people who are older, understand the hardest regrets to carry are the ones with your family.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, both of, uh, both, both of your daughters have been asking when they get to go back out on the boat again while I've been here for two days. Yeah. They're both itching. So I think you're going to, you're going to
0: end up where both of them are going to be traveling with you to go fishing. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool yeah and and you know i i said this on the dad's on the fly podcast but like the outdoor world has its own version of pageant mom and dad you know or like you're forcing your kid you're like look at my kid you know yeah yeah he's like what what a, what a archery legend you know but like the kid's like it's like you know it's like in a training facility all day and he like you know you're gonna squeeze the love out of it yeah so you know i with my daughters. My plan is to do what my dad did with me. Like try to expose them to a bunch of different stuff. And then it's like, it's like whenever you're starting to fire and you, you see a little ember. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 Blow it. And it goes out and you go, all right, let's find a new one. <laughs> and you know, like I look back and man, I'm just so grateful for, for my parents and the, the way that they did that. And, the sacrifices, And I'm glad, like, I mean, people all the time are like, everybody's like, I wish I would have been fly fishing when I was six years old. So, cause you know, then I would never blow a cast and I would, uh, dude, I'm glad I, am glad I, I didn't. I'm glad that I got to experience the variety of things I experienced. And I'm glad that I got to see my parents love me and fan that flame and all those different things as it came in and out. Cause if it would have just been like monocentric, mm-hmm. I don't know if i would have felt the same love and support in a way like yeah. to to be like okay like what is it this year what's it gonna be this year ducks yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. just so just, yeah i think that's I, I i think that's that's my hope for my girls like i fly fished when i was in high school and i got away
1: from it for a long time and i i honestly like look at you know you were mentioning like getting kids into it really early and pushing them really hard like if i hadn't gone through everything i went through in college and after college i i wouldn't have the appreciation i have for it and my my parents kind of like yours like they introduced me to as much as possible and in the end like you know i, I left the outdoors for a little while and came back to it even stronger and mm-hmm. the whole time like that i kind of like ventured veered off away from it like they were never like you need to be going fishing like they were just like he's gonna figure it out (laughs) yeah but no i mean it's it's really cool i think you know and not just to see your family but like you guys have the community that that those girls are growing up in down here is i mean you know it's a monday night and you had what seven eight guys over at the house they're all fishy fishy dudes and
0: I try to they be the to le- least that. fishy person in the room. Always. And th- you know, there's a saying that, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need a different room. Yeah. Like, I I really do apply that. Today yeah. at the dinner table, like, I legitimately believe that at the table that we sat at, I was the least fishy person. And that's fine, because, like, once again, nobody's going to show up to the most fishy person's house next, next year and say, hey, hello, he- hello, we all got together, yeah. and we'd love to present you with the most fishy man award. <laughs> but um, I really want to like go to a trophy shop and send that to you yeah you know, like one of my you know like back to back to my relationship with Harry like one of my favorite photos like this in my house is this photo of Parker Ray who's so you know my daughter Parker's named after my dad runs a Parker Big Bay that's like the boat he guides out of so yeah. she's named after his boat right and I have this photo of her and she's sitting in um, my Everglades gift as it was being built yeah. and Harry's like leaning over and just this really special moment where, you know, to me too, like I I try to do what I'm doing in a way that invites my family in. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, sometimes when I make mistakes, I make scheduling mistakes, I overbook myself, whatever. Like it it there's they feel the consequences, but also when things are going well, they they get a chance to feel the the benefits. And like nights like tonight, where everybody's together and laughing, and my daughters are like let me show you my one wheel cartwheel and one, one wheel, one hand cartwheel. I don't know what a one wheel cartwheel is, but, uh, you know, and it's like, everybody's just having fun and learning and debating. And, you know, I heard my dad like firing off at the end of the table, some debatable things. So, but it's all, it's all good. And my kids grew up around it and they'll feel, hopefully they'll feel the love that I feel.
1: You know what I thought about doing, I'm not going to do it, but I did think about doing, and I'm going to leave this in there anyways. I, uh, and I, I should have wrote some of them out, but I, I honestly thought about like listening to your podcast and writing out a bunch of your rapid fire questions just to see if you could do it. Yeah. I think, but I didn't. See if I could do. See uh, if you could actually do rapid fire rapidly. Yeah.
0: That's and like. It's like I, I, it, it cracks me up every time. and I'm glad that you've stuck with it. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. I, it's rapid fire sounds better than. Okay. Hey, like so towards the end of the like podcast and I like have no way to string all this together. Yeah. Nor does anyone care about my like artistry of like ah you know. (laughs) Look at how we seam that together. Like speaking of your favorite sunglasses, how do you see yourself you know, it's like, okay, it's cringy. So just rapid fire. No. Um maybe it should be called random fire.
1: No, I like it the way it is. Yeah. And I know I just got off on some random tangent there. What led you to starting that segment because
0: it cracks me up genuinely like it was not supposed to be funny it was just like (laughs) how do i how do i ask this question and then this what seems like such a like how do i ask you about you know the most important piece of gear that you bring on a trip and then ask you about like if you could only catch one i don't know like it's just like it, it just has to do with the randomness between the questions and I'm not like actually trying to like make somebody say something super short but also sometimes I'll ask somebody a question and this is great and they'll like spend ten minutes. Like I have podcasts where I it's, it's an hour long podcast and my audio is five minutes. Yeah. No that that actually um so it's like I can't like ask I have three more questions to ask and we only have thirty minutes.
1: That is something that i did not realize when i started a podcast is that not everyone is good at talking yeah into like you can sit there with a guy on a boat for an entire day and you're like talking and you're chatting and everything and you're like all right we're gonna sit down and do a podcast yeah. and then you're like so like how like what do you find meaningful in fishing and they're just like um when the tide comes in and you're like yeah that's can you i mean you've noticed yeah. like i have like 100 percent. like i mean obviously if you're listening to this there's a lot of edited out giant pauses
0: because i lose train of thought real easily yeah it's it's less noticeable on a boat though yeah you're like yeah mm, do you see one no oh, that's no, so You just zoned out okay I'm,
1: I'm gonna give you like i'm gonna give the world like one of the things that i've done one so far and i want to do more of is like Like, we were talking about when it was raining the other day. Like, man, we should just throw a tarp up into a podcast. I want
0: to do more, like, podcasts like that. Like, just, like, on the spot in the middle of nowhere. Fish on a Brain did one on on a boat one time. Yeah. Like, that was years ago.
1: I've done one with a buddy around a campfire. And that actually is, like, I've gotten the most, like, dude, that was sick. Yeah. But, I mean, this studio is going to be... I like the studio thing too. Yeah, it's gonna be up there. Yeah, Uh, is this the first one that's ever been filmed in here? Kind of.
0: Damn it. Is that like, like how like bizarre of a question? (laughs) Is this the first time for you? Kind of, you know how vague. (laughs) But like, yeah, I, I yeah I think that the reason is it goes back to what we said that you're trying to like bring people along with you, and as they're mowing their grass or as they're driving to work for a moment, they feel like they're having a beer or an all hands with somebody and they're getting to know them. And that's a fun, that's a like enjoyable thing, you know? So, um, and for me, I just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't well connected. I'm, you know, like I, I didn't know a lot of these people before I reached out to start networking. And luckily for me, along the way, there's been some people who believe in what I'm doing, which sounds super dramatic, but like they care about me and they believe what I'm doing and they want to help me and they introduce me to people. And that turns into genuine connections and friendships. It's
1: been like, like for me knowing you and seeing what you're doing and then like kind of taking my own leap into the industry. It's been cool to watch you and then what everything you just described, like I've, I've genuinely in the last six months started to somewhat experience Mm -hmm. and it's like, I think like, remember when we we were at Baracho, yeah. last year and you were like, Hey, let me introduce you to someone. So I can't remember who it was. And like, we walk up and introduce me and they like, no, they like knew what I was doing and everything. And it was just like,
0: like I was in genuine shock. You like called your mom. You're like,
1: no, I did. I made it mom. Well, I didn't say that, but yeah. it was, it was definitely a,
0: like, I guess I'm doing something good or decent. Yeah. Um, Someone I looked up to has looked at me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... I don't know. It's... I don't know where I'm going with it. It's... I know exactly where you're going. It's like the hot girl in school. Like, it's like you thought about her (laughs) for 25 hours a day. You know? And you make eye contact with her. And you go, like, maybe for three seconds, she just thought of me. That's where you're going.
1: Because, like, for me, like, and I think talking to you too it's the same way like i just want to go fishing mm-hmm. and just and and for me at least like, like like i'll go on trips with my wife and i film it just because i love filming yeah and trying to write a you know write a story out from it but no no it's weird. i love
0: fishing too do you yeah <laughs> Even I, I, I I love a lot of things <laughs> you know i love my dog he's sleeping over there that's the most him still I love this beautiful piece of art here. love a lot of things. I'm a big lover, big you, lover
1: we're gonna we're gonna touch on this real quick. um you love making pizza
0: yeah i wanna can like, we talk about that pizza that you made the other night real quick? yeah, we could break it down. I just wanna say that for me i I try to like if i everything I do, I try to just like I love training my dog i love i just. I want to surround, like, I have a little garden. I have citrus trees. I, like, I, I just have fun with it. And yeah. I think that's really important in life. Um, and, you know, it's like the the saying, artists are just children who survived or something like that. Never. I like that. Well, I didn't come up with it. I think I messed it up. But somebody can, can submit the correct one. But the principle of, I think, really successful people in, in a lot of ways are they hold on to something from, like just like i see my kids and just how they love things and it's like i just want to continue to love things the way that child does and i think that's really helpful in life but the pizza that you liked was one you got to have a real pizza oven by a real pizza oven i just mean you need a stone that you can heat up super freaking hot like you like like this whole 500 degree oven is not going to cut it like that's the giorno you know (laughs) It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. It's like, I don't want delivery either, you know? Yeah. Like, whoever came up with that is like, no, no, I delivery to delivery pizza, but it's like, <laughs> not that good, you know? Like, nobody's like, how good do you want to be as a lawyer one day? I want to be delivery pizza good, you know? Like, if nobody, like, people talk about, like, I had the best pizza of my life in, you know, this little place in New York or whatever, right? Like, they're not like... Like, that's a low standard. It's like, congrats, your delivery good, you know? <laughs> but, like, you need to have, like, a real pizza oven. So, like, I have an uni. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them. I don't I don't want to be sponsored by them. I don't care. But, like, I have an uni, and I like it, and I have a propane one because all the other ones seem like they would just be too much work. And, um, and so, like, that's super key. And then we make our own dough, which we've done a bunch of different recipes, and all of them are way better than most pizza that you're going to eat like just homemade fresh dough i Um, gotta send
1: if you remind me i'll send you a recipe
0: okay a dough recipe yeah yeah so i you make your own dough just cowboy up do it and then um but the the pizza ingredients themselves are a traeger sweet heat i'm not with like working with traeger anymore but i still have i showed you like i still have like an (laughs) insane amount of like Traeger sauces and rubs and stuff because yeah. I think Traeger thought that I like cooked more than I really do. It's like it's just a family of four cooking three meals a day. Like, um, but no, I so the Traeger Sweet Heat barbecue sauce is absolutely incredible. And then we put pineapples, we put a little bit of bacon, we put a little bit of, um, we actually put a little bit of sausage on that one and, uh, that's it. Like, you know, some goat cheese or some mozzarella cheese, but, um the key i think that like nobody eats a like eats a hawaiian pizza and it's like oh my gosh best pineapple ever like it's there and you taste it it's the sauce and it's the traeger sweet heat i'm not paid to say that i'm just telling i'm just telling you right now that that, that sauce is the jam for hawaiian that was the
1: first hawaiian pizza
0: that i ate that i didn't feel like i was eating hawaiian pizza
1: yeah. That is that makes, that a compli- does that
0: make sense man that feels like it's not a compliment though it's
1: supposed to be
0: i don't know that's I, like i kissing a to, girl saying this is like kissing I'll a girl but it doesn't better. feel like it's kissing a girl or something
1: like you know like all right like you know when you go get hawaiian and it's just like oh here's a regular pizza that yeah. they threw pineapple on top yeah, of because
0: it's dom it's not it's, it's not it's just <laughs> dude it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's okay. like way, everything, like, it's just, everything gets over-sauced, over-cheesed, over-greased, and it's just like, and it's a gut bomb. <laughs> yeah. And my lactose intolerance, my tolerance towards lactose is decreasing. <laughs> There's another story another day. But I have to be, selec- I'm a selective lactose eater. Yeah. So I eat goji's a lot. Which is also another Which so I guess doesn't have lactose. I, don't, I honestly don't even, I'm becoming lactose intolerant i don't even know what lactose is
1: i also feel like that we
0: should real quickly goat cheese is an undervalued pizza ingredient Yeah, because that was people need to know yeah that's why i agreed to this podcast people need to know we're here to talk about goat <laughs> cheese goats, on pizza <laughs> the goats make cheese to people yeah <laughs>
1: All right, the last question. I got one more question for Thank you. Thank goodness
0: we're not like ending on that one. I feel like what a weird. Do you weird, want to? No, no. I think like what a weird thing for me to end on. Because I have like a, I have
1: like a last question that I'm supposed to like I'm like this is gonna be the Skiff Wanderer question that he asks everybody at the wow. end of the podcast. Wow. And I'm about fifty percent on doing it.
0: So. Does that have to do with goat cheese? It might. It depends on your answer. Do you work for the goat the goat farmer's union? Okay, you ready? Yeah.
1: All right, if you could go anywhere in the world to fish, where would it be and what would you be fishing for? Oh, wow. See? You see where you could work goat cheese into that? Yeah, of course.
0: There's goats everywhere. Yeah. Where would I want to be? I would want to be with my family fishing for fun. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was going to be
0: like, good. I know, but that's like, um, no. Uh, so it's weird. Cause it's like the thing that's like in my head, because maybe there's like a rich sugar mama or sugar daddy. That's like, I'm going to make this come true for him. So I'm trying to like really think about this. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. Some rich sugar Smart. mamas and some sugar daddies out there. Maybe listen. It's like, do I want to go somewhere that I went, that I had a great experience or do I want to go somewhere I've never been? So I'll say, I've I've been in talks with and that's like a, that makes it some like it's more evolved than even it is but like I would love to go to Seychelles. Yeah. Um it just seems like a really amazing experience and I feel like half the fish that I've seen I've never seen. <laughs> so that's cool. That makes sense. That's like what is this? It's a such-and-such. Such. Is it a good one? <laughs> yeah. It's a world record. Awesome, man. Or they could lie to me. They'd be like, oh, that's a great one. It'd be like, you know, catching a 20-inch tw- redfish. Oh, my. Oh, 20-inch oh, You didn't tell someone. You, uh, that's also known I, as a Texas redfish. 20-inch red, Wait, what? You guys have small redfish. Everybody knows it. You all have wow. small redfish syndrome. You, did you see my banner up here? don't mess with texas but definitely don't f with florida it's got a gator school i just you're the first texas to, texan to see that i only get jumped at baracho pescador next year because they say don't mess with texas but i don't know who they are and i don't know why they say it <laughs> <laughs> but okay say wow, and then no the, i just feel if completely i could go to somewhere right well just relax just relax man um if i could go back somewhere that i've been it would definitely be pelican chandelier What, what an amazing yeah place it was just like perfect it was like not it wasn't too fancy which can make me uncomfortable and then it was also just so much fun like eight guys hanging out on a houseboat chasing all sorts of species of fish and just loaded up and like n- barely any other boats in sight, like half the boats in sight that you did. see so we were just like floating around, catching trout, just crushing trout. And you're like, you're just like, <laughs> cause I love it, man. Like have a yeah, great yeah, yeah. day, dude. But like what we were wanting to do, we had all to ourselves. And that was, it was just so, like, so that was take me back there. You know, that's my death row fishing trip. Yeah. Sweet.
1: Um, yeah, that's, that's
0: how you should ask it what death, if you were death on death row, row they're gonna let you go on a three-day fishing trip Jeez. what's the one person you're gonna fish with i
1: wonder if you were on death row you know you get a last meal
0: yeah i wonder if you could like work that out do you really has anyone confirmed that i no, well uh, all right <laughs> i need somebody to confirm <laughs> okay. that because we always say that but it's like <laughs> but
1: I, what, I, what i'm gonna say is like i wonder if you could be like i want to eat
0: a tuna that I caught myself. No, who's this guy? Who is this guy on death row that's like prepping all these meals? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I don't, I don't think, think it's a thing. I don't think it's we a death that, row but I don't guy. think
0: it's a thing that you get. A like some meal? guy at the prison that's like, okay, like Pete's gonna die tomorrow. I gotta go get him out back. Like I don't think I don't. That's what I'm saying. Somebody fact check well, me. I just I'm just telling you. I don't believe everything I hear.
1: If it is a real thing. I think that I would be like, I want to go eat a tuna that I caught myself. Yeah. And so then they go, like, all right, well, we can get them a fishing trip. Yeah. No, man. Um, I appreciate you having me down here and uh, taking the time to take me fishing. Yeah. It was really nice of you and uh, to sit down and talk a little bit about everything you got going on and also um, kind of all the help and support that you've given me over the years. No, for sure. And uh, I gotta get you out to te- I, you gotta you gotta come to Texas.
0: I'm gonna do it again.
1: I'm gonna show you some fish that
0: aren't little. That's what they all say. <laughs>
1: and bring your dad. Sure thing. If you want to,
0: I wanna. I, I, I do want to say that I did see some decently large redfish with Owen Gaylor. I want to give Owen that credit because there's well, a, he, there's a did chance he win that it? Owen. No. I don't think he won it. Did him and Paul win it? I didn't fish him in the tournament.
1: I don't know. Him and Paul normally come into the top three. So
0: I want to say that those were some salt. If Owen's listening to this, those were some salt. You're like shaking your head. No, he's not listening. He's not. But he might. Somebody he knows might. And I saw some decent redfish. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They were decent, you know. I know where some are. Solid on a scale of one to ten, some solid sevens. Uh, like how big is a solid seven? Solid seven. I don't know. Mid thirties.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. Until like, next time.
0: Till till you till you can't stand.
1: <laughs> What's a ten?
0: Ten's like, you know, forty five, forty six inches. Okay. You can't stand holding it. I'm six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, like I want not have to like be seated. Yeah. I don't care. I That's honestly a, don't care. I just A solid 10 is not about the size of the fish. It's about the you know, I took it's a, the size of the experience.
1: I just feel like I took a chance coming to Florida to podcast with you guys and the first person I podcast with in
0: Florida is just attacking Texas. No way, nobody attacks Texas. <laughs> somebody needed to honestly all the states got together we're like guys texas is just out of control oh my uh. that's what we said when you guys weren't there (laughs) we all got together like all the you know what they say about oklahoma Hmm. it's just okay yeah i have to oklahoma I have, too. I've never fished Oklahoma. It's really pretty. I didn't see any water while I was in Oklahoma. I went riding around sand dunes. They had a cowboy museum. Sounds about right. And they had, I think I think they had a Quiznos. <laughs> I'm sure there's a casino attached to the Quiznos. And I did not see any water. I know, the, uh, I'm just joking, guys. Oh, I guys. stayed on a lake there. It's late at night, and I'm just feeling funny, so I'm just making jokes. But, what? you know, I'm sure there's some fine fishing in Oklahoma I can't wait to explore. <laughs> like screw this guy I, I would be i don't think anybody
1: from oklahoma listens oh wait i might mean, know one person that's awesome and they smallmouth bass fish there that's cool no they leave and they go to arkansas yeah you're right there you go
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> go out of town <laughs> arkansas is off the chain though
1: yeah i'm supposed to go there in later this year
0: yeah i'm pretty excited i gonna tear it up my dad went last year for a month and yeah. tore it up Took a month off and went to Arkansas and was sending us all these photos of all these fish he was catching. Just absolutely annihilated fish. All sorts of species, multi species. He's I'm catching so- trout bigger than a Texas redfish. 15 <laughs> <laughs> inch trout. I knew we should have done this in the morning. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a different persona in the morning. But, uh, no, nah, man,
1: I appreciate it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to. Oh, i messed that up <laughs> what are
0: you looking forward to man <laughs> don't edit that out man. <laughs> people need to see those existential moments. <laughs> like, man i'm looking forward to and you're just like oh what am i looking forward to because we've all been there man we've all been sitting there going what am i looking forward to in life? <laughs> don't edit that out man i'm be, looking for i'm looking forward to bed be be brave and, and keep that in dude
1: i just want you to know that my bedtime is nine o'clock
0: and we started this at nine thirty. yeah well i want you to know texas different time zone you're in eastern now so
1: that doesn't help yeah it does no because it's nine o'clock late. in texas no it's 10 o'clock
0: texas is an hour behind
1: yeah it's 11 o'clock right now
0: oh okay so you're saying it's 10 o'clock in texas yeah here's what i'm saying to you hmm. it's five o'clock somewhere We'll end on that. Yeah. I was out, but I pretended like I still had some. <sighs> we really could just end it there. It's a great ending. Okay. Bye.
1: Sweet.